So I'm interested in finding out uh, what are some of your favorite books of the Bible. So um, it's hard to ask for just one. It almost seems sacrilegious to say, this is it, you know. But can you shout out some of your favorite books? First from this side. Me. Quite a variety. Let's try over here. Got a lot of songs. Good. Cool. I've got a lot of different ones, probably as most of you do, for different situations. Uh, one is James, when I'm trying to get a group to get together and start talking about God, because everybody's got the problems that he talks about in James, and we all have those examples. Uh, when I'm discipling someone, I love the book of Colossians, because the preeminence of Christ, and it's all because of what he's done, but we have to put off and put on. But when I'm on a mission trip or on outreach, I love the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. Or as my mentor when I was young would call it, Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And I love it because it challenges me to walk in the same ways that they walked, ever dependent on God and who he was. So today we're going to share a little bit of our story. We're going to look at a little bit of the story in the book of Acts And I pray that you'll be encouraged uh, in your story as well. Don't you like Donna? What a a great teacher she is. She hopped up and she started right into... ...involved and she caught your attention with something and then she sat down and she left it up to me to take the next step. A picture of our 36-year marriage right there. (laughs) My name is Mark McGowan and my wife Donna. Uh, Many of you know us, many of you don't know us actually. We've actually been going, we were trying to figure out, we think we've been coming to this church about six years, but we've been really on and off. We're in and out all the time. And today my part of this uh, story is to give you a little chronological run-up to who we are and why this big picture of Australia and Papua New Guinea are behind me right now. And so that's what, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to open up my little iPad. Oh, it's still going. That's good. Great. And I'm going to talk a little bit about who we are. Um, Don and I actually grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. We were on the northern Virginia side of that. We both grew up in a town right next door to each other. Uh, cross paths, uh, sort of, but never met uh, all of our young lives uh, until we were both out of university. She knew my whole family before she met me, because Bible studies and things like that, while I was sewing different notes. And, uh, and, then, and then we met and married back in uh, 1981, and so we'll be celebrating our 36th anniversary yay. next month. So yay! So good for us. Don and I have been in full-time ministry for more than 30 years, and... Uh, Good too. <laughs> and we, we started uh, that back when we were in Virginia, and Donna was a school teacher, taught elementary school, and later she's taught almost every grade imaginable. And I was working in juvenile detention centers and out of place, we worked together in out of placement homes, and, uh, and then eventually became youth pastor. I was a youth pastor in my home church that my dad helped to start many years when I was just a little kid. And so I was a youth pastor there for a number of years. And uh, and in 1991, 
God moved us out of youth ministry, and he called us to come to Colorado. And we actually were coming for another organization within our Anglican community, because we came from the Episcopal Church. And uh, when we came out of, felt like God had told us to move out of youth pastoring, uh, we were like asking him where to go. And he said, uh, we felt like he he moved us towards a group called Episcopal Renewal Ministries, ERM. And their job was to kind of help bring the work of the Holy Spirit back into the church, back into the Anglican church uh, by by doing youth ministry and sharing and doing weekends with churches and, and opening up what Holy Spirit can be in people's lives in a very personal way. And so uh, when my dad was working for that organization out here in Colorado, and uh, we, you know, we talked about it, and the, the leader of their youth ministry division called us and said, why don't you come out and run our youth ministry division and also run a, a school where you can disciple youth pastors in, in how to bring the Holy Spirit into their churches. And we were like, okay, we'll do that. And as a way of training us to do that, they said, we want you to go through uh, an experience by doing the discipleship training school at a youth with a mission base here in Arvada. There's one just down the road. And so, so that you know what you're doing when you're developing this new course. And so that's what we did. We packed up. We, we left our home. We uh, left uh, Northern Virginia. And we came out to Colorado, and we moved in out here in the Arvada area, then up into Evergreen a little while later. And we went through this five-month training, um, training school that Youth with a Mission does called Discipleship Training School, or DTS. Uh, YWAM is filled with acronyms, so Youth with a Mission, YWAM, DTS, and onward. And, um, and we went through that program, and it was, just, it was life-giving for us. We'd been in ministry almost a decade by then. So here we were, five months, where we weren't the leaders of anything. We were the students. They weren't asking us to teach. We were, actually, we were actually supposed to sit back and not do leadership stuff and just let God work on our lives. And God worked profoundly in Donna's life in the area of fear of man and, and what calling was, worked profoundly in my life in, in bringing us to a place where all of our strongest strengths, discipleship, teaching, living in community, uh, being, doing God's work with young people, it all came together for us, and we found a place where we were working in our very best and strongest strengths in, in those ways. And so we've spent the bulk of our 26 years here in Colorado working for YWAM here in Denver. And uh, I have uh, worked generally leading these DTSs. I've led more than 1,000 students over 40 schools over 20 years uh, doing those things in addition to some of the other things we did. Donna has taught in many schools as a sought-after teacher in YWAM around the world, though she chooses generally to stay in the U.S. And, uh, and during, those, during those years that we were here, we've been in ministry and leadership, not only in our local YWAM ministry, but also regionally in the United States and internationally. We were part of the International DTS Center. So we, we helped to oversee and strengthen the DTS program around the world. YWAM is an international, interdenominational mission society. Uh, it has uh, around 25,000 full-time volunteers who work for it. Don and I do not earn a salary. We, um, we have family and friends and, uh, and different people who support us, give to us monthly, and that's how we make our living uh, to be able to serve the Lord. Uh, there are probably 500-some-odd locations worldwide in Youth with a Mission, and they do basically three things. They do training, which is what YWAM in Denver does, and also in Townsville, Australia, which we'll talk about in a little while. 
Uh, they do mercy ministries and working with people and relief efforts and uh, working with people in need. And then they also plant churches. They do evangelism, bottom line for us, to be able to share the love of Christ around the world in a very simple way. Because we are uh, interdenominational and international, we focus on the things that we agree on, Christ and him crucified. We work on the areas that we can come together with. And so, uh, so we're around the world. Um, in our time uh, at Youth with a Mission Denver, uh, some years ago, about 2005, God gave us an opportunity to, um, to be uh, going around the world. So we lived in Afghanistan for about six months and worked there. We lived in South Africa for a few months and helped strengthen the DTS program there. We spent a year down in uh, Louisiana and Mississippi after Katrina and Rita, those two hurricanes hit. We went down and helped lead, lead a large YWAM response to that by bringing in some 1,500 youth over the summer of 20, no, not 20, gosh, I'm there, 2006, I guess it was, uh, coming in and doing uh, reconstruction work in that area. And we lived in a, in a FEMA trailer for a bunch of months uh, to, to be able to do that kind of work. We also lived in a garage for a bunch of other months because that's what was available to us. And um, Anyway, we've had an incredible experience working for YWAM Denver. We've really appreciated the opportunity they've given us to serve God and uh, to serve other people. And so, um, but the story then, I want to bring you up to 2014. And in 2014, Donna and another woman from our ministry were sent out from our base to go because our base wanted to have uh, an expression outside of the Arvada area. We wanted to plant some long-term teams somewhere in the world. And so we were doing some, uh, some rec- you know, reconnaissance things. We were going out and spying out the land. Where could we go? Where could we have a presence? And so we sent a team to Indonesia. We sent a team to Mexico. We sent a team to Africa. And they sent Donna and another woman to Papua New Guinea to look at what was going on in that nation uh, and see if there was a possibility of us having a long-term team go to that area. And so Donna and Ruth, the girl that went with her, flew over to Sydney and then up to Papua New Guinea and spent 10 days there? Spent 10 days there. There was a conference there. The founder of YWAM was there, Lauren Cunningham. Uh, some of the people who had been involved in Papua New Guinea from Youth with a Mission, from the very founding uh, of the mission, 50 years uh, were there and, uh, and, and part of that conference. And they had an amazing time. And uh, so when Donna came back and she was sharing with me what was going on over there, uh, my heart was strangely stirred, as uh, John Wesley might say. And, uh, and, and I felt like something was, I just felt like there was something in it for us. And I didn't quite know what that meant at the time. I just, I just felt there was something there. And I want to share a quick experience with you. Back in 2005, I, I don't know how you hear the Lord. I mean, I, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I pray. I have a quiet time. I sense his presence with me. But actually getting a really specific word from God is very rare for me. Kind of like Abram when he heard that word from God to go out to that new country. And then he didn't hear from God again for 70 years. Okay? I'm, it's kind of like that. And uh, <laughs> something like that. In any event, um, uh, in 2005, I had a quiet time one morning, and, and the Lord spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard him speak to me, 
And he said, whatever door opens, walk through it. How vague can you get? I didn't have any clue what he was talking about. And I went to my wife and I said, this is what the Lord said to me. What should we do? And she said, I don't know. You know, we'll just, we'll have to wait. But you know, if you get a word like that, then you're at the edge of your spiritual seat, right? You're just waiting like, what now, God? You know, so that's how it was. And a couple of days later, we were in a, in a meeting with the leadership of our ministry there in Arvada. I was sitting around a table, about a dozen of us. Actually, it was a big conference table, and I was sitting at one end, and Don was sitting at the opposite end of that table. And during that meeting, the leader of our ministry got up and said, you know what, our team, we had a team at that point kind of trying to start a long-term team in, uh, in Herat, Afghanistan. And so he said that our team in Afghanistan is really struggling right now. They've lost some people. They're really disheartened. And we want to send a small team over there for some months to go and encourage them. But we have to have the right leaders for that team. So one thing I want to do today is I want to pray about, you know, who could we send over to lead that team? Ding! You know, I look across the table at Donna. Donna looks back at the cross table at me. She's going, and I'm going. And we just said to the table right then, said, you know what, we'll go. Donna and I will go and lead that team. And, uh, and everybody at the table said, don't you want to pray about it first? I mean, don't you want to talk about it first? And I said, no, God told me two days ago that this was going to happen. I just didn't know what it meant at the time, okay? So that, that kind of a word is, is very special, and it led to several years of all this travel that we did around the world to serve people. It was one of the greatest gifts in ministry that we've experienced, that I've experienced so when Donna came back from uh, this time of Papua New Guinea and was telling me about it, something started stirring inside of me that was like that, but it was as vague as that. I wasn't really sure what was, what was going on, but I was, I was attentive to the spirit because I'd, I had felt that before 10 years earlier, you know, of what was going on. And so that, uh, that year, 2015, in the spring and March, we have a staff conference. And during that staff conference, we all we come away as a staff and we worship and pray together and kind of set our vision for the following year. And, uh, and so we participated in that, as we always do. And then when we were coming home from that, we were getting in our car. And in the car, we were there with all our housemates. We rent out every possible room in our house to YWAM kids who need a place to live to do the ministry. So we have a household all the time. And, uh, and I got in the car and I said to Donna, you know, I want to share something with you, but I'm going to let them listen in. I just want you to know that. She's like, okay, whatever. And I just said, I, I, yeah, I feel like God wants us to work somehow in Papua New Guinea, but I'm not sure how. I'm not sure what that means, but I, I just get that sense. And I wanted to let you know that, <laughs> wife. <laughs> so... Uh, and household, yeah, they're all involved. Because when you live in community, I mean, I don't know, if you have a big family, I guess you live have built-in community anyway. We don't have any children, by the way. It makes it a little easier for us to travel. But we live in community all the time and love community life. So anyway, um, th- th- from that time forward, we began to sense that God was doing something, but we didn't know what. Well, I mean, we're, in, we're here 25 years. I mean, we're here like 23 years at that point. We're totally immersed in the... In the work of YWAM Denver, we uh, founded a, the camp that's up at Eagle Rock. If you've ever been up in Golden Gate Canyon, we have a camp up there. We have a home up there. We have a home down here. And, uh, and God's, you know, we're, Donna's teaching. We're on every 
committee there is and leadership there. But God was beginning to pull us out from all of that. And uh, over the next year or so, we, we felt more of what God was doing. In September of 2015, I was graduating from a master's program that I was doing through University of the Nations, which is YWAM's university. It's our first time through with that. And so I'd gone through the program, and there was a graduation ceremony in Townsville, Australia, which is up here. See the little red dot there, okay? So Australia, big, huge continent that's an island, which is kind of weird, but okay. Um, and, uh, and so they were having, a, they were having a, uh, a graduation there and a conference there, and I spent a year trying to get the very busy leader of the, of the YWAM ministry in Townsville to, uh, to see Don and I, because I wanted to talk to him about this desire we had to work with Papua New Guinea. Townsville has been involved for 25 years in ministry to Papua New Guinea, and they have a very good relationship with them. They have a ship called the PNG, which is a ship hold about 100 people. They do mercy ministry with it. And uh, they have many, they, they just have lots and lots of lines going out over to Papua New Guinea. And so we were there at this conference, and, uh, and we got the opportunity to have about a half an hour to sit down with the leaders of the ministry and just say, we feel like God's stirring something in us, and we don't know what to do about it. That's what we said to them, basically. And what they said to us was, come and see. Why don't you come and join us for a little while and just see what God's doing, and then we'll go from there. And so that was, uh, that was September of 2015, and then in February of 2016, we left here and we went and spent two months uh, in, uh, in, in Townsville and also five weeks on the ship. So it's kind of confusing because the country is named PNG and the ship is named PNG. So anyway, we spent uh, five weeks on the ship, the PNG, doing medical missions all up in this kind of... Uh, I don't know, southern part of Papua New Guinea, down near Port Moresby, which is the capital, and all up and down the coast there, into the most primitive place in the world we've ever been, a place with villages. Uh, you'll see. We're going to show you a video, actually, at the end. We'll just show you a little more about what their uh, struggles and what they're, you know, what, they're, what they're working with. And during that time, we just felt like God, um, he knit our hearts together with the people that were there, both both the people of Papua New Guinea and the people we were working with, with uh, Youth of the Mission in Townsville. And uh, so, um, uh, so we came back from that time in, uh, in, in April here last year, and in July of last year, we made the decision that we were going to leave and, and go to Papua New Guinea and to Townsville, work with Youth of the Mission in Townsville, in Townsville, but up into Papua New Guinea. And so uh, we made that announcement. We've worked for the last, from July until just uh, April of this year, we worked at YWAM Denver, finishing up, passing along immense amounts of knowledge and responsibility to other people. And, then, uh, and now we are in the position of, uh, of moving. We're actually, today, uh, somebody's moving into our house. We uh, are going to be homeless in a few days. We'll move into a friend's basement. And uh, we're, going to, we're waiting right now for our visa to come through. It's the only thing. Actually, our flights were scheduled for Saturday. Come, this come Saturday, we had a flight scheduled to move to Australia, but we had to postpone it because uh, the visa hasn't come through. And no visa, no go. So that's one of our big prayer requests, which we'll get to a little bit later. In 2014, when Donna came back and they asked her to give a, uh, her and Ruth to give a, like a, what's the word I want? A report back of what they had done in, uh, in Papua New Guinea. Donna got up in that characteristic way of starting really strong. She said, God gave me the scripture uh, out of um, 
uh, 1 Corinthians 16.9, and part of that scripture says, God has opened, uh, the, because a great door for effective service has opened to me. And, uh, and, and that was the beginning of what it was, because Donna's heart was already open to that. So with that, I would like to turn that over to my better half. <laughs> so um, it was exciting to see what God was doing opening this door. Uh, when we were at that conference in 2015, we also heard another piece of the puzzle. Because when God speaks, he rarely lays out the whole thing. You know, the pieces come together. And the piece of that puzzle was that in 2015, the government of Papua New Guinea declared itself to be a Christian nation. Can you imagine our country doing that at this point? It would be insane to even imagine. And when they did that, they asked YWAM and other organizations to come and disciple their nation, to come and teach what should government look like, what should education look like. Will you come and train our young leaders? And Mark and I aren't flaming evangelists. We want everyone to know Jesus, okay? But we still get scared when God goes, talk to that person and stuff. You know, like we're just like everyone else, but we're great disciplers. And so here, that's what the wide door is that's open, is for discipleship. So in our scripture in Acts, there's another wide door opening. So if you have a Bible, you can look in Acts 10. We're going to read part of the story together, but as Guy often does when uh, there's a long story, I'll tell you part of it. The story starts with Cornelius who is a sermon in himself. I'm going to give you just a little update on him. He is a devout man. He's not Jewish. He's not Christian. But he's God-fearing. That's a description of him. So he knows there is a God, and he seeks to please him. He prays, and he gives money. It's very interesting. That's one sermon, okay? So... But one day when he's praying, he has a vision. And in the vision, an angel speaks to him and says, send to Joppa for a man named Simon, who's also called Peter. He's in a house that's right by the sea. So he calls a couple servants and a devout soldier, probably someone he's fought along with and he trusts a lot. And he says, go and find this man named Simon, also called Peter, in a house by the sea, and bring him. So they take the journey, and as they're arriving, the scripture says, Peter goes up on the rooftop to pray. And while Peter's praying, uh, he has, my version says, he goes into a type of trance. The original Greek is ecstasy, which is like ecstasy, or out of your mind, or uh, displacement of your mind, or throwing your mind out of its usual way of thinking. So he goes into this displacement of mind where he's focused on God instead of anything else. And in that, he has a vision. You know the vision. This sheet comes down by the four corners, and in it are four-footed animals, there's crawling things, and there's birds. And a voice says to him, <laughs> mine says, get up, kill and eat. Okay, that's the new American standard. I like, arise, 
kill and eat. It sounds better somehow, but so he, he says, oh, no, no, I've never eaten anything unholy or unclean. And then the voice speaks again and says, what I have called holy no longer call unholy. Okay, so we're going to take up the story there. If we could have the scripture, would you stand and join me in reading? While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thank you. No? So, he takes this journey, and they want to know what is it that happens. Come. Speak to us. Well, when he gets there, they don't say speak first. He goes in and he does an amazing thing, which we should do. He asks questions. I love this. He, He asks questions. And he also uses these words. You know already, da, 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 da. That's a really another good trick for evangelism. You already know this. Instead of acting like we know everything and those people don't. So he says, you already know that a Jew shouldn't come in and hang out with you, okay? But here I am, because God told me, and so I am here. I think we did stop early. Did we stop reading early? Okay, I repent. Can we, <laughs> can we finish reading, sitting down? Okay, here we go. The next day, <laughs> Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon, and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, 
Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. No pressure, okay? (laughs) Actually, there wasn't pressure. Because here's a willing audience, a group that's saying, come, tell us the truth. And for us, we feel the same about Papua New Guinea. They're saying, come, okay? Statistics would say in Papua New Guinea that 90 to 95% of the people have accepted Christ. But it also, Papua New Guinea has the highest domestic abuse of any country in the world. So while it's been evangelized, it hasn't been discipled. Okay? And that's what we're excited about doing. I love this passage because it's one of the passages, as we were praying about going, God gave us Acts 10, and he led us to verse 19 and 20, uh, and particularly highlighted, don't hesitate. And this was a change of ministry. This was the first time that Gentiles were ministered to. Okay. And then they receive Holy Spirit, and it's all over from there, because he's like, well, if they receive the same Spirit, we, have, we should baptize them, because they're meant to be uh, Christians. They're meant to be Christ followers. Okay. So there were a few things as we were praying for about this time that uh, God highlighted to me. One's in uh, verse 17 where it says, Peter was wondering about the vision. Or another version says he was greatly perplexed about the vision. And uh, this is actually very comforting to me, that you know, he didn't just get something from God and have it figured out. And then in the next verse, well, verse 19, it says, while he was thinking or reflecting on the vision. And I love this, that... There's time in our process, but also in your process, when God's leading you, whether it's to speak to a neighbor or to share about Christ or to talk to your boss or to change jobs or how to deal with a problem with your children. Okay? When God's leading you, there's time to ponder. There's time to think. There's time for him because he's calling you to partner with him to see what he wants to have accomplished, finished. And so he will lead you. He will teach you. He will. It's not just a one-time thing and you've missed your chance. I love that about God. And then I love when the pieces come together, where he is welcomed in the house and he goes, and now I realize that I am not to call anyone unclean. Like, it just went click you know, he had the vision, he's wondering about it, these people show up, and all of a sudden, it, it all comes together for him. And then in verse 34, he says, now I most certainly understand that God is not a respecter of persons. Okay? And so this, this vision and what it means actually comes together as he's walking it out. 
And that's encouraging for me. I don't have to know everything. We're not sure what we're going to do as part of uh, this time in Papua New Guinea. We don't know how the Australia base will use us for the work in Papua New Guinea. But we're doing the steps we know now. We're stepping into it, and we're trusting God for that. I kind of actually like reading about confusion in following God, because it's comforting. Uh, In Acts 16, Paul is trying to follow what God's called him. So Paul's actually the one sent to the Gentiles. I find it very God-like that Peter breaks the ice. You know, so it's not like Paul, like, I'm the first one who ever spoke to the Gentiles, you know. He uses Peter for that. But then Paul's really called to the Gentiles. So Paul's trying to walk it out, and in Acts 16, he says, so we started off for Asia, because we want to get out of Jerusalem. We're supposed to go talk to Gentiles. So we start off for Asia, but the Holy Spirit stopped us. And then we went to Troas and Mysia and Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus stopped us. And so he's, he's like trying to walk out the vision to the best of his understanding, and he keeps getting turned this way and that. And finally, one night in his sleep, he has a dream of a man from Macedonia saying, come to Macedonia. And then it says, very interesting thing, And we decided to go to Macedonia, concluding that God was leading us. (laughs) Duh, okay? (laughs) Now, I think we'll look back in two years. We don't know if we're going for two years or ten years. We're willing to go that long. But we don't know how long the visa will get or how long they'll let us stay. And so, right now, we're we're taking steps. We're, We're moving out and we're seeing what is God doing? And I will partner with him in anything he shows me to partner. In prayer, in in just the ministries that we had opportunities to do last year were amazing. Uh, The government of Papua New Guinea had dropped off water tanks in many of the villages where we went, where, I don't know if you can see this, sorry, squeaky, lovely brown color here, but the water in the river where we were traveling was this color. Okay, And in many of the places, it was the only water they had for drinking. There were no catchment systems. There was no anything. But the government dropped off these huge tanks, you know, like 12 feet tall and big, round, tall tanks. No fittings for them. So even if they figured out a catchment system and a way to get water into the tank, the water just flowed right out. So part of what we got to do, the team we were with, uh, we had fittings. Uh, And so we were learning how to honor people, how to do things in their cultural way instead of our way, how not to be the Westerners coming in and going, we'll fix your stuff, you know? So we'd say, oh, we happen to have some of those. Could you trade something for it? So instead of just giving things, uh, our guys that we're working with that would trade shells, I mean shells, shells, beautiful shells, or fruit or something, and then teach them how not only to put it in, but how to repair it if something went wrong. Okay, we, we had also the privilege of, of a ministry where um, it was called Days for Girls, and women all over the world sew these 
pads for girls for their periods. And uh, they're bright colored cloth. And uh, then there's, it's a, a pad that you would snap into your underpants. And then it holds different pads that you can put in. So it's not, there's nothing disposable out there. Okay? So you have these pads and you can put them into the holder and wash them. They're all bright, clean colors, beautiful. And I got to meet with, with little groups of girls who are all giggly and ashamed that we're talking about periods and things like that. (laughs) But we didn't just talk about that. We talked about marriage and sex and what it was to give that gift to someone. And because there's a lot of misinformation and there hasn't been discipleship. So with all the giggling girls and the mamas standing around the outside of the circle watching what we were going to say and then adding their two cents, you know, it was, it was a joy to bring God's perspective into that. Okay? And so while we sound like we're going on this great journey, um, the process of partnering with God is the same whether you're here or whether you're moving to Australia and Papua New Guinea. And that's uh, part of our great joy is to, to be sharing this with you, knowing that you're on a journey too. So I'm going to let you share. Oh, you can. <laughs> so, so there you have a little picture of what's going on. We just have a couple more things we want to do. One, we want to show you a video. Uh, this is a promotional video for YWAM Townsville, uh, where they show people about what's going on with their ship ministry. And then we'd like to share a couple prayer requests, and we'll be done. So, why don't we see that video now? So every person that was speaking in that video, we know them personally. Those are just actually the people that we worked with. And uh, that was pretty, it was very special for us to uh, be able to have a chance. And we worked on that ship. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember my password now. Hard to do when you're up there. Um, we, we were able to work on that ship and do just the things you saw. I worked with, uh, with the optometry place for a couple of weeks and, uh, when they say that that lady was blind, she's blind because she had a thing called pterygium, which is, or surfer's eye, which you get when the sunlight hits the surface of the water and reflects up into your eyes. And it's not actually going blind. It, it actually grows a growth, grows right, right from the thing, right over top of your eye. And so you can see, but you can't see because something's over top of your eye. You know, there's one hospital for an entire nation, 7 million people. Uh, live uh, on the main island and, and 300 islands off, why, off, you know, around the country there. In Port Moresby is the only, you can go down the street and find five hospitals in Denver here that you could go to, University Hospital or any of those hospitals. There's one for the entire nation. And so there's no way for them to get this, this growth off their eye. It's impossible. So the ship goes around and in 20 minutes they just do these little operations and people get to see again. It's a miracle. Amazing. Anyway, um, Sorry, go on and on. Let's get out of here. Um, uh, so things that you can pray for for us. Number one, pray that our visa comes back in. We sent it in about two weeks ago. It says it takes 60 to 90 days for a religious worker visa, which will allow us to be in the country for about four years without having to worry about coming in and going out again. And most people who come to this country come on a tourist visa. 
you can get in for like 90 days or 60 days, and then you have to leave the country again. We don't want to do that. So we're going for a more complicated visa, but it just takes longer to process. So if you can be praying for our visa to be approved, as soon as it's approved, we're out the door because we're living in somebody's basement now. Um, uh, so, and then for our, tr- our transition to Townsville, even though uh, going from the U.S. to uh, Australia is going from a first world country to a first world country, uh, it's actually going to a new culture. And so there's always culture shock. There's, there's a transition that has to be made when you go in there. And if we go and live in Papua New Guinea, which we would like to do for a period of time, that's a third world country. And so the, the transition's even greater there. So just prayer for us as a couple to be able to make the transition so that we're not hurting people that we want to help because, because our cultural differences, uh, because we don't understand what we need to do to fit in their culture rather than them trying to make them fit into ours. Um, we also, um, as Donna said, we, we're, we're going here, but we don't have a great vision. We're not going to do a specific thing. We're going to serve, and we have lots of skills Praise God, we get to be in our 60s, and we get to start a brand new life in a new place. But when we don't have a clue what we're doing, basically. We're just going over and saying, God, what do you want us to do? And as we move forward, we have enough experience in God to know that he's going to open the doors uh, or the windows that he wants us to get through, and we'll get through them. But we still would like clarification of the vision, as all of us do. And then finally, that, uh, that we would be good stewards of uh, the things that God has already given us, the, the finances, the resources that we have that we'd be good stewards of the gifts and talents that we have, that we wouldn't waste these legacy years that we're in. Uh, we see this as an incredible adventure. I'm 60. I have arthritis in both knees. I have ringing in the ears. I have, you know, uh, plantar fasciitis, you know. But that's not stopping us from going forward into what God has for us. And neither should it stop you from going forward in what God has for you, regardless of the time of life you're in. Adventure is not just for the young. It's for all of us. So um, the praise team may come forward. I remembered to tell you. And um, I'd just like to read a scripture to you and then pray it over all of us. When we find out we're actually going, the church is going to lay hands on us and pray for us. So we're not going to do that today. We're just going to pray for all of us. And this is from 2 Thessalonians 1.11. To this end, we pray for you always that our God would count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire you have for goodness and the work of faith with the power of his Holy Spirit, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus. I've read it, now I'm praying it. Lord, here we are, each of us on a journey. And we pray that you would count us worthy of our calling, the things that you have for us. Not not the worthiness of of salvation. You've taken care of that. But that we would use our gifts, our talents, that we would be good stewards, each of us, Lord. And that, Lord, the desires we have for goodness and the work of faith, would you fill them with the power of your spirit so that it's not by our own might or our own power, but the power of your spirit. And we pray that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified us, in us and us in him and that we would do it all by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.